The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. Mortgage Women Magazine. It's where women's voices are heard. Find it free at www.mortgagewomenmagazine.com. When business is slow, you may feel inclined to make sure everything is perfect so you can close every loan. But if you're not careful, your criticisms can come across as just constant complaining. Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network. Today, I'm joined by Nir Bashan. We'll have the rest of your headlines right after this word. And he's also a contributor to Mortgage Banker Magazine. So, Nir, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. So I guess just starting off, talk to me about what prompted the the topic, the subject of this column, you know, how how to stop complaining. So I think we complain way too much at work today, right? And it's like, it's uh, it's a bad thing because it doesn't get anything done. And I'm all about helping people get stuff done, right? Real actionable items that actually will lead to some sort of result. And I've noticed that there is just so much complaining going on at work. And I've noticed that people spend so much time doing it. I wondered if there'd be some kind of return on investment, right? Because people are reasonable for the most part. If they're going to spend a lot of time investing into something, then it's probably working. So I've done a ton of research, Mike, and the result is sort of earth shattering. There is literally almost no gain that you make by being complainy and Mr. Complainy or Mrs. Complainy pants at work. And I think you brought up uh, an interesting distinction there with um, actionable results because people, well, how do I point out if something's actually wrong and, and needs to be corrected? And sort of how do you understand the difference between perhaps constructive criticism, things that lead to improvements and actionable results versus, all right, we got it, but stop complaining. Yeah, no, no doubt. So what what it is, it's, it's not about just saying, hey, you know, everything is wrong. It's about making that decision to be an active participant in the solution. That is the biggest distinction that you can make if there's something to complain about at work. Listen, I, I mean, I've worked at a lot of places. I've owned my own businesses. I've, I've hired a thousand people in my career. I know the game, right? No business is going to be perfect. No company, no relationship at work is going to be perfect. The question is then, what are you doing to improve your lot at that current job, at that current situation? What are you doing? Are you complaining? Absolutely ineffective. It won't work. Doesn't do anything for anybody. Are you saying, okay, I've noticed that there's a problem in the way that we onboard people, right? We throw them into the deep end and we have all these people that you know might come in and last a little while, but then they quit later. It's just really hard to retain people. So instead of complaining about it, right, let's do something about it, right? So how about we look at that onboarding process in a different way? How about we ask ourselves questions? Are we attracting the right talent? How about we sort of, you know, really go a little bit deeper and start to ask questions that maybe people aren't asking? When we're able to do that, when we're able to be a little bit more creative and a little bit more innovative with processes rather than just complaining, they inevitably lead to solutions. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's an awesome suggestion, and it helps send the message that you're actually trying to improve something and not just point out why someone else is is bad at their job. One one of the tips that you you note in your uh, column or one of the suggestions you have is is to watch your language, and we all know, yeah, you got to watch your language in the office. You don't use any magic words. But what do you mean in in this context? You know, I'm sure it's more than just don't don't cuss. Right. Right. So when I talk about language, I talk about the language of positivity and English is a very, very interesting language where it has six negative condensation words to positive words. Right. It's amazing. It's incredible. That means that for every good or happy or glad, there are six terms that negate that, right? Bad, awful, crappy, you know, the whole deal. There's six to one ratio of bad words or words that, you know, are negative versus the ones that are positive. And again, I like to do research and I like to find out why these things are happening. So I looked at all kinds of different languages. And we've studied something like 90 different languages all across Earth. And I thought for sure, it's just English, right? Because, <laughs> you know, it's England and it's cold and miserable. It's like it rains all the time. That's where our language is from, right? It's kind of, you know, gray skies, fish and chips are soggy. The food's gross, right? It's England. So it's got to be English. And what we found is that this ratio exists in every single language on Earth. Isn't that crazy, Mike? Between six and I think 12 or 13 to one in some of the Nordic countries, the ratio between, you know, positive words and negative, there are at least six to 12 times more ways to say something in a negative way than in a positive way in every single language on earth. That's staggering to me, right? So it starts to make me think that we need to retrain the way that we talk. We need to retrain the way that we think. And we need to start to use language in a completely different way so that the meaning of our words are positive and energetic. And when we're able to do that, we see an amazing transformation of not only the people around us and the people who have to work with us, but we see it in clients. We see it in people getting excited about what we're doing, getting excited about, hey, what we have to offer or what we're selling or whatnot. And we notice that people tend to gravitate towards people who choose their language carefully. And in that article, I talk all about finding a way to choose language in a very, very careful way to maximize positivity and minimize negativity. I'll have to take your, I took Latin in high school, but I'll have to take your word on the, the ratio because I didn't do a very good job of actually learning the vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell you whether or not that's true, but I'm, I'm sure it is because everything comes from Latin. So, um, but but you, you also suggest sort of taking a thoughtful pause. And I think this is one area, you know, recognizing myself, you know, I tend to, if there's a problem, I tend to feel like I need to fix this right now. And then I can't and I get stressed out. And maybe if I took a pause, I'll be like, oh, no, this is there's such an easy solution if I just like breathe for a minute. But I mean, how, how you know, we all know we should slow down, but sort of how do you how do you actually enforce this when maybe you're in a stressful or an upsetting situation? How do you follow through with this? So, Mike, we live in a world that demands attention immediately, right? And we try to equate, uh, more than try, I would say we generally equate quickness and, you know, speedy responses with quality, 
right? We think, oh, you know, my iPhone can dial up 600 things quickly up. It must be good. Or, hey, I'm in a situation and I need to react quickly, you know, because that's good. The thing is, when we start to look at our world creatively, when we start to think about innovation, we start to uncover um, a sense of time, right? A sense of it's okay not to be the fastest. It's okay not to race toward, you know, some goal. God knows what we're trying to do, but we're running. Everybody, look, we're all working. We're going crazy. So the thoughtful pause for me is an ability that everybody has. Everybody has it. It's whether you choose to use it or you don't. And I beg people, before you fly off the handle, before you send that email, before you even react toward what is going on, take a thoughtful pause. Wait, it could be the difference of a second. It could be two seconds. Don't equate quality with speed. Start to equate quality with thoughtfulness and time. And if you're able to do that, you you kind of unlock your brain just begin to work in more thoughtful and methodical ways. And you tend to get more creative that way. It's amazing. People think creativity is all about spur of the moment. Oh, I'm going to, you know, do some crazy spur of the moment stuff. But that's not what creativity is about. Creativity is about restraint and having the, the ability to take that moment and restrain from reacting is an incredibly valuable tip. Now you might sit near, I can't, I got, you know, 600 emails coming in every day. I've got, you know, people calling and all this stuff. It's my pace goes all the way through. I work through lunch, the whole deal. If you are in that type of environment, then, you know, put a few emails in the draft folder, right? I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that's pretty mechanical, right? Got to get back to this client, got to do this, got to set that up with that, you know, thing that I'm working on. Um, but there are several times during the day where you're like borderline, right? You're like, yeah, this might take a little bit more time. This email, maybe I should sit down on. So instead of just sending it in haste, put it in the, put it in the draft folder and wait a minute, one minute before you send it, because you might go back and look at it and say, okay, I need to look at this in a different way. I need to take more time with this. I need to just change a couple words because I was being harsh and I wasn't using positive language like we talked about earlier. Taking time is an incredibly important thing. It does not have to be half an hour, an hour, three days a week. Like people always get, oh, near, I can't take a thoughtful pause. I got you know stuff to do and this and that. If you just take a second or two and think before you send that text, um, before you post that, you know, picture to to Insta. I've seen your Insta, Mike. So I would <laughs> I would utilize the thoughtful pods before posting. My dogs are going to get me in trouble. <laughs> there we go. Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. Um, and, and you, another tip you have is this idea of inversion. Um, what does that, what does that mean in this context? So what I like to do is to take, um, 
whatever happened and invert the problem into thinking that it's not a problem but an opportunity right so if if it's a negative cash flow situation or whatever i'm just giving a quick example instead of saying you know what this sucks because i can't i don't have enough cash to do the certain thing that i want to do or whatnot as a business instead of doing that you say to yourself well what would i do if i had a ton of cash what would i do oh i would pay this vendor first and then you know i would do this and that in inverting a problem you take the problem you flip it upside down and sometimes when you flip a problem upside down and you look at it as if you had you know uh tons of money in this case at, at the cash flow but it can be anything what you end up doing is you come up with a list that can be incredibly effective for your immediate problem right maybe paying off that vendor will enable you to get more cash because once that you know debt is is settled you can then plan on something else or maybe it's calling that client and asking them you know to go net 45 instead of net 60 when you look at things in a creative, innovative way, you're able to always find solution. There's never, ever anything that you can't solve if you look at it creatively or innovatively. But if you look at it like most people do, oh man, this is a, a hurdle. This is a problem. This is a, you know, something that's going to slow me down. You lose the opportunity to look at things as an opportunity, as the as opportunity, as a, as a successful thing that you can learn from. So whenever you have a problem in your particular business or in your particular career, you can just take a second and, and invert the problem and say, well, what if this was not to exist? What if I were to have everything that I needed in order to solve this problem? And if you do that from time to time, it'll give you an amazing insight. And then just lastly, you know, obviously the the past couple of weeks, we've sort of been focused on, you know, it's the new year. People have all kinds of new year's resolutions and some of them are, are career based. And obviously these are great tips for people to sort of maybe have a little bit more of a positive outlook, especially as the the economy is getting tighter, the housing market's getting tighter. But, you know, we people have different personalities and 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 styles and some people are more laid back and this will just come to them more naturally. And some people are tend to get stressed out, negative Nancy's. Um, they tend to worry. They tend to worry very easily. If I'm somebody who maybe I'm I'm more prone to to jump to the negative and get stressed and get worried, how do I put this in place and sort of how do I be intentional about it where I may have a setback, but I'm trying to change my habits. I'm trying to change my demeanor, knowing it's you you want instant results, but it's a long-term thing we're talking about. How do you sort of effectively and successfully implement a, a change like this? So it's really all about the micro steps, right? It's all about tiny, tiny, tiny little victories. People tell me all the time, Nir, give me that one thing that's going to change my life. You know, I, I, I make a career out of it, right? I talk on stages all over the world about how to improve people's creativity and innovation. And generally, people want it now, right? I want it now and I want to do it like 100% tomorrow and go, go, go. The thing is that we neglect those little victories and those little victories are can be tiny, right? They're they're the tiniest things ever. And if we enable ourselves to build on those tiny things, eventually we're going to get where we need to go. Mike, this isn't about an overnight thing. This is about small little steps that you make every single day that you build on and improve on, no matter what your personality is or how you like to approach things. 
if you just give yourself a break, right, and allow that stress and all that self-doubt that you're constantly putting on yourself, and, and I do it too, if you allow that to just kind of say, you know what, enough, I'm doing a little bit every day, I'm getting better every single day, I am getting there slowly but surely, that is an incredible transition and it allows your mind and your body to follow through with getting where it is that you need to go without all that baggage and all that crap that we're constantly putting on ourselves. Judge your success by those tiny little victories, those tiny little things that come together to get you where you need to go, not by the end goal. I think your point about finding a break is is a really great advice because you might see someone else who's just laid back and lets the stress roll off their back, but you have no idea. Maybe they have a way when they get out of work, they go for a jog to clear their mind and it doesn't pile up every day. You, you know, you, you, all you see is, is the, the finished product of them in the office, letting the stress roll down their back. You don't know, maybe they're doing exactly what you're talking about and it's not natural to them either. And you're like, why can't I be them? hundred percent. And social media, Mike is like, you know, the worst, uh, a culprit of the stuff. Could you look at your Insta and everything looks amazing on here, right? Like, Oh, I, why can't I do that? Why can't I be like that person? Right. Oh, you know, it looks so perfect. It's all bullshit. It is a hundred percent bullshit. It is literally that dude. I used to work in PR and in advertising. I promise you, dude, some of these cultivated like instas are they're one, they're really expensive, right? Because it costs a lot of money to get your hair and makeup to look that perfect every time, right? And you know, the stage your dog. You you have dogs. Have you taken pictures of your dog? Have you taken a good picture of your dog ever? Maybe once because they were sleeping. Once, once, <laughs> dude. You look at Insta. There's like, oh, you know, these beautiful pets, and they're all like manicured, and everything looks. It's just not real life. If you allow yourself to recognize that and say, you know what, I don't need to be part of that. I don't need to be, you know, involved in this this realm of what others think need to be perfect. Um, you're going to be a lot happier, and the the secret is that you're going to be way more successful as well. Well, my dogs, I'm pretty sure they're smarter than we give them credit for. Every time I take my phone out to take a picture, they're like, nope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Nia, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. We'll have the rest of your headlines right after this word. The Originator Connect Network, the nation's largest producer of mortgage events, is about fostering a community founded on professionalism, collaboration, and personal and professional growth, connecting you to the story of your success. Welcome back. We're at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut for the New England Mortgage Expo, and these are your headlines for today, January 12th. Inflation slowed again in December. The consumer price index came in at 6.5% on an annual basis. Core CPI was at 5.7%. In other news, housing inventory picked up in December and is now 54% above where it was a year ago, but new listings and pending sales are both down over the same period. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygates. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.